Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Oh, hello. Hello. Hello, everybody. All right. All righty. All righty. If you guys need extra chairs or something, go ahead and grab them from the back. But come on in fifth and sixth grade. Guys, I want to tell you about some of my friends. Who in here loves their friends? Me. Me. I do. I do. I love my friends. I love my friends. Who has friends in here right now? Yes, 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 yes. Very good. Very good. Very good. Guys, well, I have, I have some pictures that I would like to show you, okay? The first picture, that is me on the left, uh, about 20 pounds heavier probably. Uh, That is me, uh, that's not me on the right. That's my friend David on your right. And that is my friend Ryan in front. And that is our friend Trevor in the middle, the snowman, who is named after my real friend Trevor. Not that Trevor, but that Trevor is also my friend. That That Trevor is also my friend. Uh, David, the one on the left, David, the one on the left, he is, uh, he probably has more embarrassing stories than anyone that I have ever met in my entire life, in my entire life. Ryan, uh, he went to the University of Alabama and he uh, is a big fan of their football program, Roll Tide, I suppose. And uh, Trevor, who is represented by the snowman in the middle, is probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. Pick number two is my college dorm a few years ago. A lot happening, a lot happening in this picture. I could tell you a lot of different funny and crazy stories. I'm right in the middle, if you're looking for me, right in the middle. I look very upset, but I wasn't. I was happy to be there. I could tell you a lot of different funny or crazy stories, but the best one, the best story is probably when my friends and I turned the basement tile floor of our dorm into a giant slip and slide. We covered every door uh, bottom, I guess, the, the frame, uh, with towels, and then just poured a bunch of water and soap on the floor. One, it was amazing. Two, it was disgusting. It was so gross because all this dust, and it was disgusting. But man, you could fly. It was very, very fun. It was very fun. And finally, finally, this third picture, some of my best friends also from college. This was when we were at a wedding in Colorado. Probably the coolest wedding I've ever been to. It was like on a mountain in Colorado. You're like, this seems a little bit unfair that you guys got to do this. It was very pretty though. Uh, And those are some of my best friends. And really, truth is that you and I could talk about friends, your friends, my friends, our friends, all day long, right? And we could tell funny stories, and we could tell crazy stories, and we could tell stories that none of us would believe, but we would still have to tell them because they're just that great of a story. But I talk about friends because we are in a series called Everybody Always, right? We're in Everybody Always. In the last few weeks, if you have stamped your thumb in some... uh, ink uh, and stamped the back of that banner that says everybody always, you hopefully know this. And tonight we're talking about what it looks like to love everybody at my school, at your school that you go to. And here's, the, here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to remember. I'm going to tell you it right now, okay? What I want you to have in your mind as you walk out of here in a few minutes. It's this. Friends get friends to Jesus no matter the barriers. 
Friends get friends to Jesus no matter the barriers. And in Mark chapter 2, we see one of the greatest acts of friendship in the entire Bible. And it's going to be on the screen, so I'm going to read it right now. It says this, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. Okay, what's happening? Jesus was entering, don't do it again. Jesus was entering the town of Capernaum where he has already been. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, we find out that Jesus, last time he was here, cast out a demon. What does that mean? That means that there are so many people that want to come talk to the guy that the last time he was here, he cast out a demon. Because that's what happens when you cast out a demon. So people are wanting to hear, about Je- want, wanting to hear what Jesus has to say. They want to see who Jesus is. And they want to see if Jesus can help some of their own problems. So all of these people are coming to Jesus, hoping to just hear what he has to say and if he can help their life. Which is why there are so many crowds. So Jesus goes to this house, but... When you read the word house or hear the word house, think more like the size of an apartment. Houses back in this time in Israel were not very large. They were more like the size of what we would consider an apartment. And so this small house is packed to the brim. Packed so much that Mark says people are overflowing out of the doors. If you've ever been somewhere really crowded, like maybe you went shopping on like Black Friday or something like that, somewhere that's so crowded. And so people are flooding out of this door. But not only that, people are crowding all into the roads around the house to try and see Jesus. But again, when you hear road or read road, think more like what you and I would consider like an alleyway. Because they didn't have cars back then, so they didn't have to have super wide roads for cars to be able to drive on. So it's more like an alley. All of that to say, what's important for us to know is that it was a small house and the roads were small and they were packed. And what's important for us to, to understand in all that is that there was, there was no way that anybody was going to be able to get to Jesus unless you were camped out at that house before Jesus even got there, like it was Black Friday, you were not going to be able to even get close to Jesus to hear what he had to say or to see him. There was just no way. There were just too many barriers. But then entered these four nameless men. We don't know their names. We don't know anything about them. We don't know anything about their life before this moment or after this moment we just know about this so enter these four men carrying a fifth man who is paralyzed we don't know if he was just paralyzed in his legs or if he was fully paralyzed which is a term uh, wikipedia told me is called tetraplegic so there's your science lesson for the day tetraplegic kind of a fun word to say we don't know if he was fully paralyzed but we just know that it wasn't good i mean he was having to be carried on a mat and chances are good that he had probably had been carried or pushed in some sort of chair for all of his life. Just think about that. That's that's crazy. It wasn't good. So these men decide for whatever reason, we got to get this guy to Jesus. We've heard about what Jesus has done. Maybe they've even experienced it themselves, what Jesus has done. So they begin to make their way through the crowd to get 
their friend to Jesus. And if you've ever had to push through a really crowded space, you probably know how annoyed everyone around them was. Like they're just like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Like Midwest people are very good at this. I do this all the time where you're just like, I'm just gonna squeeze in here. Like, excuse me, I'm gonna slide in right there. Like they're just like doing that thing like the whole way. Except there was no way that they could do it like sneakily or daintily because they're carrying him in. So they might as well just be doing this, like spinning around trying to hit everybody. It is causing a commotion trying to get this. <laughs> yeah, it was probably not going very well. It was causing a commotion trying to get this guy through. But somehow, because they're so tenacious, they get their friend to the house. But here's the problem. The house itself is so full and people can't move because they're inside the walls of a house. So for whatever reason, these guys have this crazy idea. Let's go up to the roof. Because houses back in Israel in this time would have had stairs kind of built onto the side of the house to get up there for maintenance or to sit up there. I don't really know. But they had stairs, so they were like, let's take the stairs. So they go up there, and then they have the crazy idea of let's destroy the roof to get our friend to Jesus. This is one of those places in the Bible where I'm just like, what were they thinking? Like, why was that the first option of like, hmm, let's destroy the house? Like, why is that? But for whatever reason, that's what they do. But you want to know why? Here's my guess. Here's my guess. Because they understood that friends get friends to Jesus no matter the barriers. And so they begin to dig through and destroy the roof, and then they're able to bring their friend to Jesus. So those were their barriers. And they were up up against some pretty good odds. It wasn't looking good. If I had been like the sixth friend in this scenario, and they they were telling me that they wanted to carry this other guy all the way to the house of the sea of people, I would have been like, there is no way that you were getting him through that. That's just impossible. And then they probably would have looked at me and been like, you of little faith. And they would have gone through the crowd. It would have been amazing. And I would have been like, well, I guess you proved me wrong. But they were up against some pretty good odds. Their barriers were the man's paralysis. That's a thing. The crowds, all of the people that they had to get through, the, the, the very difficult thing that they had to even to get to Jesus. And then when they finally did, they couldn't get in the house. So then they had to go up onto the roof and they had to get through the roof, a roof for crying out loud. These were their barriers. Can I get three volunteers to hold up a sign for me? Let's see. Yes, Connor, Lily, and Gabe. Yeah, come on. All right. Okay. I will have you stand right here. Hold this for me. Connor, I'll have you hold that for me. You can stand right there. Gabe, I'll have you hold that stand on for me. And I will move out of the way so I am not a barrier to you guys. So here we go. Here we go. These were their three barriers. Paralysis, crowds, roof. Now, now, these were their barriers in getting their friend to Jesus. And to be clear, to be clear, so we're all on the same page. When I say the phrase, get their friends to Jesus, I don't mean actually just picking your friend up and running to church. But man, if that's what it takes, then you run fast. What I mean instead is telling your friends about Jesus, doing something loving and kind for them, inviting them to church, asking them what they believe and letting that become a conversation about who God is and who, well, who Jesus said he was. That's what I mean when we talk about getting our friends to Jesus. Because here's the reality. You and I have barriers too. You and I have barriers too. They might not be paralysis, crowds, or roof, but we have them. What's the first one? Lily, go ahead and turn yours around. Just Lily. The first one is fear. I think sometimes our own fear gets in the way of our paralysis. 
We're afraid of what could happen if we try and tell someone about Jesus, but then we don't know what to say. Or we try and tell someone about Jesus and they have questions that we don't know how to answer. Or maybe we try and tell someone about Jesus, but we're afraid to do that because what happens if, if people start to think differently of me or it hurts my friendship with that person? And all of a sudden I've, I've lost my friendship with this person and I'm afraid of that happening and I've worked hard to be their friend and I've worked hard for people to know who I am. Gabe, go and hold that or I will get someone else to hold it. Thanks, buddy. I've worked hard for that. Please, please, please. I'm just too afraid, so I'm not going to do it. Okay, Connor, go ahead and turn yours around. Apathy. Maybe you know, maybe you know this word. Apathy means not caring. Or sometimes in this case, meaning caring about something else more. So yeah, I, I, maybe, maybe for you, it looks like, I know I should tell people about Jesus, but man, I just, I don't, I, I, that's not really my thing. I just don't really want to. That's, I'm not really good at talking to people, so I'm just not going to. Or maybe for you, it's just that you're busy and you don't care to put time towards it, and so I'm just not going to. I, I'm deciding to put more time toward this, toward this other thing, instead of putting effort into telling people about Jesus. And what's the last one? Gabe, go ahead and turn yours around. Pride. Man, I know I should tell that person about Jesus, man, they're just weird. I, I don't like them. They, they, really, they like stuff that's way different than me. They're way different than me. They're on that team. They're in that club. They have that interest. I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not into it. Man, I, I don't even like that person. Much less do I want to try and tell them about Jesus. And the only reason I know that, the only reason I know that these are our barriers is because they're my barriers too. Sometimes I have fear and apathy and pride. But Jesus calls us instead to destroy these barriers so that our friends can get to Jesus. Because the worst thing that you and I could do is nothing. The worst thing that we could do is nothing. Okay, I'll take these back. Thanks so much, guys. Here's the reality is that these four men could have done nothing. They could have done nothing, and then the paralyzed man would have just stayed in his house, hoping for a miracle that probably wasn't going to come. Or, and then they could have just gone on and, and listened to Jesus, and it would have been all good and great, and they would have been amazed, and it would have been awesome, but there would have been someone missing. Someone would have been missing. Chances are good that you have an empty seat maybe somewhere around you. And so I want to wonder, is, who's that person that's missing for you? But they don't do nothing. What instead happens? Verse 5 tells us, because they understood that friends get friends to Jesus, no matter the barriers, this is what happened. Verse 5 says this, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. So their faith healed his sins. Their faith healed his sins. I don't fully get that. Like, because of what they did, Jesus decided to heal his sins. That blows my mind. I don't really know what to do with that, but I know this, that if you think that you can't make a difference in someone's life, that if you can't change someone's life by telling them about Jesus, then I want to show you this story. Because this story tells us 
that when we get our friends to Jesus, their lives can change. This is how you be a friend to those around you, fifth and sixth graders. Everybody needs friends, and the most friendly and loving thing that you can do for any of your friends that you have ever had or ever will have in your whole life is to tell them about Jesus. You are on this team of Jesus followers and you are needed on this team. So I have two questions for you, two reflection questions that I would like to hear, see you answer. Seventh and eighth graders are going to begin to come back in and as they come back in, I'm going to have them think about this too. Two questions that I want you to answer. The first is this. What are their barriers in your life from getting people at school to Jesus? And who is the one person that you need to get to Jesus? Because we all have barriers. We all have barriers, and we all have someone in our life that needs to get to Jesus. Chances are good that you are that someone for someone else in this room at one point, maybe. Or maybe your someone is in the room right now with you. Or maybe there's an empty chair next to you that belongs to that someone that you need to tell about Jesus. So right now, I just want you to sit quietly and think about what are the barriers in your life that are in the way of getting people to Jesus. And secondly, who is the one person that you need to get to Jesus. Maybe your barrier is one of these. Maybe it's fear or it's pride or it's apathy. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe for you, it's, it's something else. And, and you kind of feel right now in your head and your heart, you understand that, that your barrier is something a little bit different. But 7th and 8th graders, I want you guys to be able to answer this question too. I want you to think about these two things. What are the barriers in your life from getting people at school to Jesus? And who is the one person that you need to bring to the feet of Jesus? Who is on the mat in your life that you are walking right by maybe every day that you need to get to Jesus? Because ultimately, it is, it is amazing what these friends did, right? It's awesome. It is so amazing that their faith healed this man's sins. But ultimately, this story, like a lot of the stories that we read about in the Bible, is not about them. The story is about Jesus. Jesus is the one that heals. Jesus is the one that saves. Jesus is the one that everybody else came to see. And Jesus didn't stop there. Verses 10 through 12 say this. This is Jesus talking. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. 
So Jesus says, get up, and the man gets up, and the place explodes. Like, can you imagine? Like, this is something that is so easy for us to read past, but can you imagine? No one in their whole life has ever seen this guy walk, and then he just got up, took his mat, and walked out. Like, the place exploded. Like, the friends on the roof are probably, like, jumping up and down, like, hugging each other, like, it worked, it worked, that was amazing. The crowds all around are amazed, they're praising God at what awesome power Jesus has, and the man, can you imagine Can you imagine this man has never walked in his entire life and then all of a sudden he just stands up and walks out. Where'd he go? But he can walk now. He can walk up the stairs to his friends and hug them and cry with them, thanking them forever for what they just did for him. He can jump up and down. He can run. He can sprint anywhere he wants. And that's only through the power of Jesus. This is what's at stake when we destroy, when, if we choose to not destroy the barriers in our life. Life changed. This man's life was never the same again. His life immediately changed for the better because of Jesus. But it was because these four men decided to destroy the barriers in their own way so that they could get their friend to Jesus. So you and I have a choice. We can choose to let our fear stop us from doing anything of substance, anything of significance. We can can choose to be afraid. We can choose to let our fear whisper in our head and tell us what is or is not true. And we can just decide to do nothing about it. Or we can simply lay our fear at the feet of Jesus and we can instead then begin to talk to people and we can tell them about the power and the light of Jesus. Or maybe for you it's, I just don't care. Maybe, you, maybe for you it's just... You want to care, but you just, you don't, you don't. You don't have time to care about Jesus. I don't have time to see what the power and the light and the awesomeness of Jesus can do in my friends' lives, so I just, I'm not going to do anything. So we can listen to apathy. We can run into the walls of apathy and not do anything about it. Or we can simply lay them at the, lay it at the feet of Jesus. For maybe for you, it is pride. I don't want to talk to them. They're too different from me. They're too weird. They like other stuff than me. So we can listen to our pride, saying that we, that person doesn't even deserve Jesus, which is a ridiculous thing to think. Everyone needs Jesus. Or... We can lay it at the feet of Jesus. See, when it comes to our barriers, we have a choice to make. And it isn't a one-time decision. It's a choice that we will make for the rest of our lives. To let our barriers get in our way or to do something about them. But if we can get into our heads, if we can understand that true friendship 
is that friends get friends to Jesus no matter the barriers. Then we can take these barriers in our lives, whatever they may be, and we can realize how foolish they are. We can destroy them in the name of Jesus because when we find that when we destroy the barriers, when we get rid of everything that could possibly in the way of our friends coming to know Jesus, we will find that the light and the power of Jesus fills the room and every life is changed and God is praised forever simply because we destroyed the barriers in the way of our friends knowing Jesus. Now Jesus destroyed what tore down heaven and earth, tore down light and darkness just so you could be with him. It was all for you. And so he is calling you to simply destroy the barriers that are in the way of your friends coming to know who Jesus is. But you want to know something? This is the craziest thing that, of this whole story, I think. Mark not once says that these guys were friends. And I know what you're thinking. Todd, that's what we've been talking about all night. It kind of seems like everything else has come to wait. No. Mark never says that these guys were friends. So they could have been complete strangers? Just think about that. These guys could have been complete strangers, maybe on their way to see Jesus and seeing this other guy. And in their heads, they understood that everyone, not just our friends, not just people we like, need to see Jesus. And so even though they were strangers, they were the best friends that this guy ever could have had because they did the most loving and the friendliest thing anyone could have ever have done for him, which is showing him Jesus, which is getting him to Jesus. They risked their own reputation. They risked their own schedules so he could know and experience the power and the light of Jesus. So lift up your friends and get them to Jesus. There is no wall, there is no barrier, there is no darkness that Jesus did not destroy, that Jesus did not absolutely obliterate so that he could get you to himself. And he is calling you through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit to do the same exact thing for your friends. So I simply ask you, who is on your mat? What is the name on the empty chair that is next to you for the person that needs to know who Jesus is? We have a choice. We can run into the same barriers over and over and over again all day long, or we can lay them at the feet of Jesus, and we can bring our friends to Jesus, and then we can watch them run. That is a good God who can do that. Let's sing to him. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.